introduce myself first. Oh, okay, thanks. Hi, I'm Ria Mandela from Creole Birthkeeper, and I'm here with Sian from Visionary Births. Um, and we're about to discuss some of the findings of the Embrace report from uh, November 2018. Mm-hmm. So do you want to talk a little bit about your background? Yeah, sure. Um, I trained as a doula in the summer of 2017. Um, I was trained by Red Tent Doula Preparation Courses, highly recommended. Um, and I'm now um, about to study as a midwife in uh, September in King's College University. Okay. Uh, hi, I trained as a doula in January last year, so that was 2018. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> 2018, um, after the birth of my daughter who was born in 2017 and um, the experience that I had, it really motivated me to want to see changes in maternity care. I then did um, hypnobirthing and also some training in aromatherapy in childbirth. And I'm also now training as a social worker. Awesome. Yeah, I forgot all of my credentials. I'm like, oh yeah, I did that, I did this. Yeah, so I'm also a placenta remedy specialist. um, And I've done a portion of breastfeeding support training. Yeah, that's about it. Cool. (laughs) All right. Um, So we've both read, well, I've read the report about maternal deaths. Yep, and I'll focus more on uh, neonatal outcomes. Okay, so, um, right, we're looking at the report that was released in 2018 looks at the deaths of mums between 2014 and 2016. And overall, they worked out that in that cohort of women from that time, 9.8 women per 100,000 died during pregnancy or up to six weeks after childbirth or the end of the pregnancy. So this report actually looks at over, well, the amount of women who were pregnant was, uh, between that time, was 2 million and 301,628. Mm-hmm. And of that, 225 women died during or within 42 days of the pregnancy, either directly or indirectly related to the pregnancy. Okay. So um, of that, 64 um, died during pregnancy and the rest died after the baby was born. Right. Oh, okay. Um, so looking at the numbers there's 0.0098% chance of death in pregnancy during that time with these women. Um, And according to the report, improvements in care would have made a difference to 38%, which is about 85 women. So it would have made, so there's a, I guess to me that sounded like improvements in care could have prevented the death of 38% of the women. Yeah, that makes sense. That, and that's, that's what I got from it. And how did they analyse quality of care? Was this based well, on the sort of parameters? So basically they've got experts in the field. Yeah. Uh, obstetricians, midwives, consultants, and they analysed the reports. They asked for the reports from the hospitals and they analysed
analysed the reports of these women and classified it in terms of good care, in terms of improved care um, could be needed, but it wouldn't have made a difference to the outcome. And then what I was interested in, because obviously if we can't, if if improvements wouldn't have made a difference, then, you know, we can always improve, but if it wouldn't have made a difference, then Mm -hmm. it wouldn't have made a difference. But the fact that for 38% of the women who died, improvements in care would have made a difference shows that you know, we need to do something differently. Yeah, so we looked at, uh, so sorry, I looked at the deep direct causes of death first. So the first um, one was thrombosis and thromboembolism, which we looked up and it was sort of blood clots yeah, yes. and problems with circulation. So when you say the first one, that was the m- the majority of yeah. directly related to p- deaths directly related to pregnancy were yes. due to blood clots. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. And that was so out of the two hundred and twenty five women, that was thirty two of them were mm-hmm. died for that reason, that okay. direct cause. Yeah. Um, the second was hemorrhage. Eighteen women died from hemorrhage. Suicide was the third which was um, 16 women, 16 women took their own life and they considered that to be directly related to the birth or pregnancy. Right. So that um, included figures for women who committed suicide whilst pregnant and women who committed suicide after the baby had been born? Yeah. In fact, if you look at it for after the, after, within the first year, mm-hmm. suicide is the most, um, is the biggest cause. It's the leading direct yeah. cause? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, so right, so thrombo thrombosis and thromboembolism, hemorrhage, suicide, um, sepsis was the next one, um, amniotic fluid embolism, and then preeclampsia and eclampsia, which six women died of um, eclampsia and preeclampsia. There were a few more other causes, but less than three women died of those things, right. so I didn't include them. And then indirect causes, which is which I found interesting, what they considered to be indirect causes. Cardiac disease was the leading indirect cause of death, mm-hmm. uh, of which fifty-five women of the two hundred and twenty-five died, um, some sort of complication related to cardiac disease. And then uh, neurological conditions, uh, malignancy, which we well I had to look it up. I don't know if you already knew <laughs> yeah, what it meant, but it, <laughs> it was um, basically cancer. Yeah. Um, eight women died uh, complications related to cancer in pregnancy with the neurological conditions it was 24 and then indirect sepsis so um, sepsis as a result of flu or pneumonia or something unrelated to the pregnancy eight women died from that and then psychiatric causes including drugs and alcohol misuse six women died from that the there was another bracket of women who died and that was coincidental causes, which is not included in the 225 women. Okay. And um, obviously that's things like car accidents, things that have got nothing to do with the pregnancy. Right. But there was one um, category which is included as coincidental, which I'm not sure really is coincidental. Okay. And that was murder. Ten women were murdered by their partner or former partner within six weeks um, after the pregnancy, during or six weeks after the pregnancy, mm-hmm. what do you think? Would you consider that a coincidence? I mean, technically speaking, in terms of this report, which is focusing on maternity care, yes. Mm-hmm. But if we're looking at women and their treatment in society and motherhood and its 
sort of consequences, if you will, then no. Actually, now that you say that, I guess in terms of the agenda of the report, yeah. it would be considered a coincidence. But it's still something that maternity care needs to be aware of. Yeah, there's domestic violence or violence in or around the home. That's still something that, that should be addressed in absolutely in in the care of the woman somehow. And it links to, I think you're probably going to mention it later, is the um, coordination of different services and how they need to be perhaps better communicating yeah. so that care's more holistic. Mm-hmm. Right, okay. So um, there were also 34 women who suffered a major obstetric hemorrhage, however they survived. And so that, did I say 34 women? And of those 34 they concluded that 74%, so about 25 women, improvements would have made a difference to the outcome. Uh, The way I sort of analysed that, it felt to me that, um, and even I think in the report they also mentioned about recognising when a woman is haemorrhaging and just the level of care after a a woman gives birth, Mm -hmm. making sure that um, she's okay, I guess. Yeah, and so, sorry, does that stratify whether... Um, it was a vaginal birth or a caesarean, or it's just just across tells the us board, yeah, seventy five percent, yeah, and thirty four women. So we don't know if which proportion of those women gave birth physiologically and which no, no, okay, but yeah, it it it, it included women who had in fact birth and caesarean, right? And mm-hmm. um, the hemorrhage came from lots of different regions, but all to do with um, the pregnancy. Okay, yeah. So birth. I guess it's to do with detection of hemorrhage and. Yeah. And taking Handling, it seriously and yeah, yeah man- management yeah, afterwards, yeah, exactly. So uh, what um, sort of influenced us to get here and talk about this report was the idea that um, we're, black women are five times more likely to die. Yes, that's been the sort of big shocking discovery, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Or perhaps not so shocking. I think in previous years, of the because the Embrace report happens annually, or yeah. at least um, regularly, mm-hmm. Um, I think the figure has been lower, but I think black women in the UK have always been at a slightly greater risk, but mm-hmm. the, the figure's getting worse, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's what motivated us to look into it. Yeah. Right, so um, of the women who died, 123 were white, 29 were Asian, and 34 were black. And that worked out as eight out of... 100,000 white women were, yeah, 8 out of 100,000 white women, Mm -hmm. 15 out of 100,000 Asian women, and 40 out of 100,000 black women. So a a five-fold increase for black women of the proportion. So it's not about the number. It's obviously less black women died than white women. But when we're looking at the amount of white women that gave birth and the amount of black women, the proportion is much Uh, greater. And it is of those that gave birth and not in our population as a whole in the UK. It's based on the women involved in this cohort. Mm, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah, that's a really good distinction to make because I think it's easy to just see the figures and not get a, you know, a more in-depth analysis. Mm. So we like we would expect a number of um of every race to sort of die. Mm-hmm. But if the proportion for black women is higher than white women and there's obviously there's quite a lot more white women in this yeah. country than black women it's the same how um for example black black men are disproportionately represented in prisons for example mm-hmm. it's a similar sort of um way to look at it 
so right so I looked uh, into the report and that so looking at UK citizens 24% mm -hmm. of the women who died were born outside of the UK and around half of those women were not UK citizens um, they came from Asia, so Pakistan, India, Africa, Nigeria, um, sorry, yeah, of Asia, Africa, Nigeria, Eritrea, Sierra Leone, um, South Africa, and Eastern Europe, Eastern Europe, so Czech Republic, Poland, and Romania, and the remainder came from other parts of Europe, America, and the Caribbean. So I'm going to put the table into this video, but I'm looking at it now. And when I look at the ethnicity of the women, the breakdown, mm -hmm. the number that really jumps out at me is that 17, so none of the other numbers are above 10, that 17 women who are black African died from indirect causes mm -hmm. of, um, of the pregnancy or the birth. Yeah. So what I sort of took from that was that, so there's some something about black African women and some sort of complication that doesn't directly lead to their death, but something indirect has led to their death. And to me, it felt like, does that mean that maternity services need to be more um, mindful when they're working with black women? Or is it that the way they're treating them is different mm -hmm. and it's it's specifically it seems from this report because when we look at black caribbean it's two right two black caribbean women died from indirect causes and 17 this is ethnicity so this isn't what people self-identify as mm. this is how how are we um measuring ethnicity is well, it like the boxes when you you get to tick what your ethnicity is or is that something that yeah a midwife or a and no, it's, I think it's self-report. Self self-report, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so the same, that would be with your doctor's surgery. Yeah. Right, so it doesn't... So looking at the report, the same amount of black Caribbean and black African, it's a bit higher, it's the same with Pakistani women, if you look at the table, but 17 black African women died from indirect causes. Mm -hmm. And I found that particularly interesting and then when I looked there's another table talking about um, where people were born yeah and 17 women were born in Africa now I can't say that the same 17 um, black African women were the ones that were born in Africa mm -hmm. I'm making a presumption unless I looked at the data I wouldn't be able to say that distinctively but to me if 17 black African women died and 17 women were born in Africa, mm -hmm. I would assume it's the same women. It's quite pro probably the same seventeen. It it could I mean it could very well be that a, a white European person mm -hmm. was born in Africa. It it could very well be that, but I'm I'm making an assumption that yeah. that it's um the same women. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah. So when they looked at health, sixty eight percent had a pre existing medical problem including physical and mental mm -hmm. um, with physical health 37% were obese and 20% were overweight and 8% had pre-existing cardiac problems 
with mental health, which was a big thing to sort of come out of the report, is there's a big section on mental health and care during pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So 24%, which is about 55 women, had psychiatric problems pre-existing yeah. to the pregnancy. And the so 71 women committed suicide. That was the cause of their death. They committed suicide, 71. So out of 200 and... Um, 25 that's quite a high proportion yeah committed suicide during the pregnancy or up to one year afterwards and the report actually showed that improvements to their care would have made a difference to at least half of that that number Mm, okay so yeah that's that's quite striking 54 percent so what is that about half of 71 so over 30 yeah over so 30 women's lives could have been saved say just by improving improving their maternity care and not their mental health care i think it's the interaction between the two yeah because the systems for mental health and physical health are different mm-hmm. unless you disclose that you've got a mental health condition or that you're seeing mental health services mm-hmm. it could be hard for the physical people who are monitoring your pregnancy mm-hmm. to know that you unless you disclose that you actually right. ha- are involved in mental mental health services if mm-hmm. that makes sense yeah and vice versa if a woman doesn't tell their mental health team that they're pregnant mm-hmm. it could be a while before they actually find that out or bef- unless there's communication between the services sure but when you're working with a mental health service and they discover that you're pregnant they do refer to um, a perinatal mental health team which is a specialist team that work with pregnant women with mental health problems. Okay. But if they don't disclose that, the teams could easily go working with the same person and not and realize. Not be aware of the other. Not okay. be aware. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, uh, I, and one of the things that this project, this sorry, um, report brought out was that a need for better communication between services and sharing of information. Yeah, I wonder if in the initial midwifery appointment, mm-hmm. there is any question about that. There is a question, but whether or not they choose to disclose is up to them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it, uh, it was interesting because not all of the women who um, committed suicide had a pre-existing mental health condition. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a proportion who, who didn't and didn't disclose that they were having any problems as well. Okay. Um, so nine of the 71 were pregnant when they committed suicide but the majority of the people who committed suicide had already had the baby mm, okay. um, so it could be a lack of um support in definitely. the postnatal period or um not um being aware of postnatal depression potentially of course mm-hmm. okay um so another thing which impacted on the likelihood of women to commit suicide was some kind of loss of the baby. So in terms of miscarriage, termination, infant death, and taking babies, um, babies being taken into care. So the report also called for an increased support around those women. Um, One of the quotes that I can um, read out is, on too many occasions, the mother was forgotten once services were appropriately reassured that the child was safe. Or that there was no risk anymore to right. the child. Yeah. Um, 
So maternal suicide is the third largest cause of direct maternal deaths, as I mentioned earlier, um, occurring during the pregnancy or within 42 days after the end of the pregnancy. But um, it remains actually the leading cause of direct deaths occurring within one year after the birth. Mm-hmm. Okay, what can we surmise from there? My brain's sort of getting addled by data now, I'm sure. Well, um, there's something about that first year mm-hmm. after a child's born that, well, most of the, the leading cause of death mm-hmm. is from suicide during that time. There's something about that first year, I don't know whether it's... Um, to do with loneliness, lack of support, but obviously looking after a baby during that first year is, th- is a very um, intense period. Mm. It's very intense. The, the, the child is so dependent on you. Um, but then it, this also could be women whose children were taken away and that first year of mourning and loss. Yeah. Yeah, I would just guess that it was social is- isolation and possibly unpreparedness so Mm. not really having a sense of what that first year is going to be so not being prepared for it I think Mm. that happens a lot doesn't it definitely definitely um not that you can really prepare for it but at least having some psychological you can you can definitely put I mean you don't know what the reality is going to be but you could definitely put things in place Mm -hmm. to help you to prepare for what might happen yeah. So, what would be your sort of suggest top suggestions? Well, obviously, if every if everyone had a postnatal doula, that would be fabulous. Yeah. But not everyone mm-hmm. can can have access to that. Mm-hmm. But if somebody's known to have mental health um, problems, or they're experiencing mental health problems, there should be something provided that women can use to support them during that first year. So, like counselling, postnatal counselling. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of like social groups mm-hmm. for pregnant yeah. women and new mums. Yeah. Yeah, more of that provision. Cool. Um, right. What, what did I want to go on to next? Um, Sorry, my throat. <laughs> <laughs> That's this <laughs> Right. Um, commu- yeah, like I was saying earlier, communication between services as well as re- recommendations for improvement. And another big thing, which I don't know if we, if anybody watches EastEnders and they remember Stacy when she had her mental, I do, um, mental breakdown after the birth of her, yeah, of her baby, yeah. and the struggle for Martin to get her into a mother and baby unit, mm-hmm. and actually that is the reality. There are so few mother and baby units available in the country, and even if you do are lucky enough to be able to get one. It could be so far away from your family and friends and your actual support system. Mm-hmm. And I have, um, and one of the improvements as well is more training for home treatment teams. So, home treatment teams are who um, community mental health services refer to during times of crisis in order to avoid hospital admission. Mm-hmm. So, somebody with severe postnatal depression with a history of um, depression before that mm-hmm. may be referred to a home treatment team, and I've worked with those women. Um, and supported some of them to get into mother and baby units and um, 
there was, it, it's true that I didn't receive any specific training for that because it, it is quite different. It's, it's actually more, well, I, I wouldn't say it was more serious, but it is quite serious because there's not only the person who's suffering, there's also the dependency of the child in that interaction as well. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I didn't receive any specific training and that was one of the things that, um, that the report picks on specific training for pe- for crisis teams. Right. Could it then be that it's not necessarily the training but the numbers of paid roles in that in that field. You know, they might they may just be underfunding and understaffing these very key services. Um in some, some services, yes. In the home treatment team I didn't feel there was an issue in terms of the numbers. Mm-hmm. But in terms of knowing the difference between usual presentations right. and uh a postnatal depression presentation mm-hmm. and the interaction between that and the baby uh, and having a baby um, so that was that was an interesting um, recommendation because mm-hmm. I think I would agree with that and they were talking about more interaction between the perinatal mental health teams so the teams that work with mums um, with mental health problems and the crisis teams that go in and visit mums at home mm-hmm. um, during crisis uh, so the red flags, there were, they came up with three red flags to look out for when working with um, women who have just given birth. So that's a significant change in men- mental state or the emergence of new symptoms, thoughts or acts of violent self-harm, mm-hmm. and new and persistent expressions of incompetency as a mother or estrangement from the infant. Mm-hmm. If you see any of those things, it's really important to get some help for that mum. Um, yeah, so lastly, I just think the idea of um, individualised holistic care really screams out of this report. Mm-hmm. It's about working with the individual complex person rather than putting generalised and even in some cases non-evidence-based guidelines on people. Mm-hmm. It's about working with people to work out what are their specific risks for them, including all of their complexities yeah I think that's really important um, and always consider the individual benefits and risks about making decisions about pregnancy um, most of the women who died had multiple health problems or other vulnerabilities such as um, like cardiac problems they're saying mm-hmm. and domestic violence even especially for the women who were yeah. unfortunately murdered yeah. um, there was something else I wanted to say Yes, another thing that they talked about in the report which I found interesting was um, medication. I think maybe even specifically mental health medication and that's either starting or stopping medication mm-hmm. whilst you're pregnant that like weighing up the risks and the benefits of that okay. for the person's health. Because mm-hmm. I think there were some instances where medication was stopped where really the risk of stopping that medication was greater than the risk to the fetus or the mum of continuing it. Mm-hmm. Especially, for example, mental health medication, stopping antidepressants, for example, where um, I think in that particular case, mum committed suicide, and really, and what the learning that they, when they looked at the inquired into that case, if they had actually left mum mm. to continue on that medication, would there have actually been significant harm to the baby? But obviously, yeah. mum's not with us anymore now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it does sound quite counter intuitive if the medication has been working up until then why stop during pregnancy was it a 
a thought that it might be breast milk obviously and not not a lot of medical you you can't really do medical trials on pregnant women so a lot of medications are not licensed to be given Uh, to pregnant women so it's not necessarily that it's harmful it's just that they don't know whether it's harmful because they're not going to do the studies on it because you can't ethically get approval exactly but yes okay thank you very much that was wonderful yeah a lot to gain uh, to gain from 